Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor David Eldridge. If you got a Bible, you can turn to John 15. Uh, my name is David and I am the pastor here. A couple of just reminders Kim mentioned. We're in the middle of this, or at second week of this 21 days of dedication. We're wanting to... Uh, de- dedicate, commit, submit all of who we are and all that we have to the Lord and say, how do you want to use me in 2022? We want to be people that bear fruit, and so we want to make ourselves fully available to Him. There's a screen, uh, a slide behind me with a QR code and some bullet points, some ways that you can uh, connect over the course of the next two weeks, and so we would encourage you to do that, uh, particularly this worship night on Wednesday, since we weren't able to gather together corporately today. We would love to see you on Wednesday night. That There's child care for birth through fifth grade. Uh, last week, actually, a lot of people brought their elementary school kids in, and it seemed to, seemed to be okay. Uh, it was definitely okay with me, and it seemed to be okay with the families as well. So uh, you're welcome to do that also. So we'll hope to see you on Sunday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. So last week, uh, we talked about pruning. Step one in this uh, process of dedicating ourselves to the Lord, we said pruning is God cutting back the things in us that prevent us from bearing fruit. Whether that, that's a habit, that's an attitude, it's a character trait, it's an activity, and some of those activities actually are not even necessarily sinful, but they can get in the way of us bearing fruit. And God either convicts us directly through the Holy Spirit, or, or sometimes he, he uses our circumstances, and our circumstances squeeze us, and what comes out, we realize well, that's, that's no good. That's something that needs to be pruned away. And when, we're, when those things are brought to our attention, either directly or through our circumstances, then our response, ideally, is to repent. We move from disagreeing with God about that behavior, that habit, that attitude, that trait, that activity, to agreeing with him and saying, you know what, that does need to be cut away. In a sense, we're giving God permission to do that. I know that sounds weird to talk about giving God permission, but that's really what we're doing. We're moving from disagreeing with him to agreeing with him. And we said last week, three heart conditions that can really get in the way, that can prevent us from bearing fruit. One is a hard heart, if we're resistant to the word of God. The other is a shallow heart, when we love ourselves more than we love God or others. And the third is a crowded heart. Uh, When we love the things of the world more than we love the things of the kingdom, uh, those other things can choke out what God wants to do in our life. So uh, that was last week. This week, we're going to look at the idea of abiding or remaining in Jesus. Next week, we'll talk about bearing fruit. So this is John 15, starting in verse 4. Remain in me, your Bible may say, abide in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." So again, we're going to focus mostly on this idea of remaining today or abiding. That word, those words mean exactly what you think they mean, to, to stay uh, or to dwell. We may talk about uh, to stay connected. That's what it means to remain. And then Jesus says, here's some things that flow out of remaining or abiding in me. You'll bear much fruit. 
your prayers will be answered, and you'll show yourself to be my disciples. So if we remain or abide in Jesus, we'll bear much fruit, our prayers will be answered, and we'll show ourselves to be his disciples. And then there's a very clear contrast. Well, here's what happens if you don't remain. If you don't abide in me, then you can do nothing. You won't bear any fruit. And you'll be picked up like a branch. You're, you're picked up, you're thrown into the fire, and you're burned. So you're, you're destroyed. So again, very stark contrast there. I remain, I bear much fruit, my prayers are answered, I show myself to, to be Jesus' disciple. I don't remain, I can do nothing, I bear no fruit, and I'm destroyed. So it seems like a pretty clear choice for us between those two options. We're going to opt for remaining. But what exactly does it mean to remain or abide in Jesus? So we're in the middle of this, this section of John. It's called the Farewell Discourse. It's Jesus' final words to his disciples on the last night of his life. One of the major themes, this is what it looks like for you to have a relationship with me when I'm no longer physically present with you. That's one of the major things that Jesus is trying to communicate through this farewell discourse. And that's a major theme in John 15, at least the first half of John 15. Remember, for three years, the disciples have been physically present with Jesus. They've literally lived with him. They've walked with him. They've eaten with him. They, they've lived life in his physical presence, and that's about to end, not just because of the crucifixion. That's just a temporary three days away from them, but after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven. So you're talking about they've got about 40 days left of physical proximity to Jesus, and what he's trying to teach them is this is what relationship with me looks like. It's going to be ongoing it's going to move from this external, I don't mean that in terms of superficial, just a relationship that we access through our five senses, to an internal. I'm going to go from being with you to actually living, dwelling, abiding in you. You're going to be in me, and I'm going to be in you. So in John 15, at the first half of that, uh, of, of our section, Jesus is talking about vine and branches. He's using a metaphor to communicate this truth. The fancy phrase is mutual indwelling, God in us, us in him. And then beginning in verse 9, Jesus talks about the same dynamic, this mutual indwelling, but he uses the words love and obedience. So we'll look at a few verses there. This will help us understand what it means to abide. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So there's that idea of remaining or abiding. To remain in Jesus' love is to remain in him. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I, as I have loved you. So again, the, Jesus, there's a parallel there to remain in him and to remain in his love. That's two ways of saying the same thing. And he says, here's how you do that. Here's how you remain in me. Here's how you remain in my love. You obey my commands. And then here's the command that you need to obey, to love one another as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved them? Sacrificially. They saw it just a few hours before when he washed their feet in the upper room, and they're going to see it a few hours in the future when he dies on their behalf. Jesus is a picture of sacrificial love. He does what's best for us. He does what's best for his disciples, even at great personal cost. And so that's what he's saying to the disciples. That's what he's saying to us. If you want to remain in me, then you obey my commands, and my command is that you love each other sacrificially, just like I loved you. And the result of that is you'll bear much fruit, your prayers will be answered, and you'll show yourself to be my disciple. Again, pretty straightforward. 
But there, I, I do think when we talk about uh, obedience and love, it creates a, a bit of tension in us. We have this, this kind of pull. On one hand, we hear words like abide and remain, and those speak to us. I, I'm going to use the word passive. Those seem like passive words. They, they, they speak of, of being with God. They, they speak of rest for a lot of us. And then when we hear obedience, we think of action. We think of activity. We think of, of doing things. We're commanded to remain. That word is in the imperative. And so there's, there's responsibility for us. But we can get uh, conflicted over, well, what exactly am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do or am I supposed to be? Which one of these two things? And again, it creates this, this kind of inner conflict within us. And then if you add to that, well, if I don't remain, I wind up being destroyed. Nobody wants that. It can create a little bit of anxiety in addition to us being a bit conflicted. So what exactly does it mean to remain? And I would say rather than seeing that, again, I'm going to call it the passive and the active. Rather than seeing those things as pulling away from one another, let's see them as complementing each other. Two aspects of what it means to remain in Jesus. There is, again, we'll call it a passive or a resting or a being aspect. And then there's this active doing, obeying aspect of being with him. So there's a couple of misconceptions on the connection or the relationship between love and obedience, two ditches on either side of the road. One is we overemphasize obedience, our our own activity, and we underemphasize the love and the grace of God. This is the classic, um, God loves me because of what I do. When we hear that, most of us know immediately that's not right. But it is a common, particularly in the Bible Belt, it's a common belief. It's, and again, it's, it's a misconception. It's actually a lie. God does not love us because of what we do. God, God's love for us, it's prior to, it's, it's before. It's an initiating love. And our obedience is in response to his love for us. Our, our obedience is a response to God's love for us. It's not the basis or the foundation of his love for us. There are a couple of scriptures there behind me on the screen that you can uh, grab onto and you can look up. 1 John uh, 4.19, we love because God first loved us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it, it can't be because of our behavior that God loved us because he loved us when we were actively disobeying him. When we were in open rebellion against him, he was, he was demonstrating his love for us. His love, again, it's foundational. It's, it, it goes first it's before, it's primary, and everything we do is in response to that love. If you think of that, go back to the metaphor, the vine and the branch. I think even that word remain, sometimes we can skip over that. To remain is to stay. You can't remain someplace that you're not already. I can remain on this stage because I'm standing on the stage. You can't because you're not standing here right now. You can remain in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, but you can't remain on the stage. And so when Jesus says, remain in me or remain in my love, the, the implication is we're already in him. We're already in his love. If you think, again, vine and branches, we were all born separated from Jesus. We're dead sticks laying on the ground. We, get, we don't produce anything. We can't, make, we, we can't, we can't do anything that's, that's honoring to God because we're dead. Remember, salvation's not about making bad people good. It's not even about making good people better. It's about bringing dead people back to life. And so God, in his mercy and his grace, what he does is he grafts us in to the vine. He takes these dead branches, that's me and you, that's all of us, apart from Jesus. That's how we're born, and he grafts us into the vine. And then, 
we can produce fruit because we've, but we've been brought to life. We've come from death to life and his life, Jesus's life flows in us and flows through us. So no, our behavior does not earn God's love. Our behavior is a response to the prior love of God. The second ditch is on the other side where we, we underemphasize our obedience and our responsibility. And I'm not gonna say we overemphasize God's love and grace because we can't overemphasize his love and grace, but we do distort an, uh, his love and his grace. And I, I think a lot of this ties back to uh, it's people like me. We, we've, we talk about eternal life and salvation as a gift, and it is, that's biblical, it is a gift. But over time, we separate gift from giver. And we can't do that when it comes to salvation. Jesus says eternal life is knowing him. Eternal life is reconciled relationship. But when we hear gift language, we think about it like a present. Just, you just unwrapped presents that you got for Christmas. And you might have got a present from your great aunt that you haven't seen in a year and who you're not going to see for another year. But you can still enjoy the gift that she gave you. It's an expression of her love for her, but it's not her. You can enjoy the present apart from relationship with your great aunt. You can't do that when it comes to eternal life. You can't enjoy eternal life apart from relationship with God because eternal life is relationship with him. There's no category of people who are going to enjoy the benefits of salvation apart from relationship with Jesus. You, you, You can't do it. You can't separate gift from giver. And I think when we do that, we can begin to think, well, because God's love is not based on my obedience or my behavior, I can do whatever I want. My obedience and my behavior don't matter. If I wind up obeying, that's just kind of like the cherry on top for God. And that's not the case at all. We can't, again, separate gift and giver. Eternal life is reconciled relationship. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You can't be any clearer than that. Our obedience is a reflection or an expression of our love for Jesus. Again, vine and branches. If the branch is connected to the vine, it will produce fruit. That's a statement of fact. The life of the vine flowing into the branch will produce fruit. And so if we look at our life, not in in a day, in a week, even in a month snapshot, but if we look at our life over time and there's no fruit, The issue for us is probably that we're disconnected from the vine because if we're abiding, if we're remaining, there will be fruit. We'll talk some more about that next week. But anyway, those are are the two ditches. On one hand, we overemphasize our activity and we believe God's love for us is based on what we do. And on the other side, we underemphasize our obedience and we say, well, because God's love for me is based on his choice, then I can do whatever I want. My obedience doesn't matter. Neither of those things is true. Again, we want to hold together to remain, to abide. One, that passive side, it's to to acknowledge, to recognize the love that the Father has for us. Again, Jesus says remain, which means you're already there. His love for you is secure. His love for you is, it's, uh, it's unchangeable. And you can put the full weight of your life on that love, on that reality. You can rest in that truth that God loves you. And your obedience is an expression of your love to him. That's the active side of, ob- of abiding. And both of those things are necessary. Both of those things are, are equally true and essential. God's love for us comes first, and then we respond to his love and obedience. That's our expression of love back to him. So again, abiding, both a passive and an active element, 
this passive element. We're resting in the already love of God, the, 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 the love of God that proceeds, that is prior to anything that we do, that, that grafts us into the branch. And then we respond to that love of God through obedience. And that's our expression of love back to him. I want us to close this time. For me, it's this morning. I want to close this morning by thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit in abiding in Jesus. What role does the Holy Spirit play in abiding in Jesus? Vine and branch metaphor. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the sap. The sap of a tree is what, uh, it, it conveys nutrients all throughout the tree. Just like blood conveys nutrients all throughout our bodies. And so again, in, in our picture, the sap is taking the resources from the vine, delivering them to the branch. So taking the resources of Jesus, his life, his love, his grace, his power, and he is communicating or, or delivering all of those things to us, the branches, and then that produces fruit. That's why it's, it's, a, it's virtually a guarantee. I'll just say it's a statement of fact that when we abide, we will produce fruit because the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He produces fruit. And so when, we're, when we stay connected to Jesus, branch to vine, his life flows into us and that will result in fruit. It can't help but to do so. And so again, for us, thinking through that lens of passive and active, how does the Holy Spirit help us in both? When it comes to acknowledging, recognizing, resting in the love of God, the Holy Spirit's the one who leads us into that truth, into that reality. Romans 5 says that it's the Holy Spirit who makes God's love known to us in our heart. Romans 8 says it's the Holy Spirit who testifies with our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. And so if, if this week, if this is an area of struggle for you, if you wrestle with the fact that God already loves you, that his love for you is secure, that his love for you is strong, that his love for you is constant. If you wrestle with that, uh, the, the big name for that, the theological term is assurance. If you're, if you're not assured of God's love for you, then this week, the, the area where I want you to focus in prayer is asking the Holy Spirit, make the love of God known to me. That's part of what you do, Holy Spirit, so I'm asking you to do that. Communicate to me in a way that I can understand that the Father actually loves me. That needs to be a primary prayer for you this week. That's, part of, that, that's the abiding piece for you. You want to rest in the already love of God. The second side, that active side, the, our obedience as an expression of the love for God, how does the Holy Spirit play a part there? He's the one who empowers us to obey. In John 14, after Jesus says, if you love me, then you'll obey my commands, the very next thing he says is, and I'll ask the Father to send you a helper, your Bible may say an advocate, a comforter. The word there, it, it's, it, it's, it's a weird Greek word. It doesn't really matter. It's difficult to translate, but it really means one who comes alongside, one who comes alongside and one who helps us along. The Holy Spirit won't choose for you. If you know the right, obedient, loving thing to do, he will help you execute. He'll bring you to that point of decision, helping you discern what's the right, loving, obedient thing to do. And then he'll pick up on the other side of the decision, 
giving you the strength, the courage that you need to actually execute that decision. The choice is yours. He won't override your will, but he will certainly help you decide, and then he'll help you execute the decision. And so if that's where you are today, if your issue is not necessarily uh, security and the love of God, you may say, no, I, I get that. I know I'm a son. I know I'm a daughter. I'm confident in God's love for me. But honestly, I continue to struggle in some areas of, of obedience. It's difficult for me to forgive this person. It's difficult for me to walk in peace. I, I blow my top a lot. It's hard for me to live with self-control and patience. If, if there's something there, I tend to live in fear. I, you know, whatever that would be for you, an area where, where it's a struggle for you to obey, the area where I, that's where I want you to focus this week, asking the Holy Spirit to empower you, to strengthen you, to enable you to do that right, obedient, loving thing, to to. to to not just to say yes, but then to live that yes out. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and I want to invite you to pray with me, recognizing this is really the, the kickoff to a week of focusing on what does it mean for me and what does it mean for you to abide. Again, abiding that passive element, the resting in the already love of God, and that active element our obedience as an expression of our love to him. Both of those things come together. That's what it means to remain or to abide, to rest in his love for us and then to express our love for him in obedience. So pray with me if you will. Maybe you can go ahead and center in, zero in on which of those two would you say is the biggest need for you right now? Which one are you struggling with most? Is it acknowledging and recognizing and resting in the love that God has for you? Or is it living a life of obedience? Which one of those is the biggest challenge? And once you've identified that, you can pray something like this in your heart. Father, I acknowledge that you love me. That when I was still a sinner... Jesus died for me. And that your love for me is it's based on your love for me. It's not based on my good behavior. It's not even based on how hard I try. It's not based on how much I want to do the right thing. Your love for me is it's, it's rooted in your own heart. And I'm thankful for that because that's constant. That never changes. And so I ask you, Father, to send the Holy Spirit to me Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to me, to make me aware of this great and deep love that the Father has for me. Would you speak to me? Would you show me in a way that I can understand, whether that's through a word, through a picture, through a feeling, through an experience, whatever it is that, that is, again, most meaningful to you, ask the Holy Spirit for that. Show me in a way that I can understand this great love of the Father. Recognize that's not just a one-time deal. That's a prayer that you can pray on a regular basis. Again, we're remaining. That's ongoing action. And so we want to constantly be resting in this love of the Father. If, if the second, the obedience thing was where you felt convicted, you could pray something like this. Jesus, my desire is to, is to keep in step with you. It's to follow you. It's to live my life like you would if you were me. But I acknowledge and confess I don't do a great job. I don't do a great job. And in this particular area, and you can name what that is, I'm really struggling. 
It may be something with unforgiveness. It may be with greed. It may be with anger. It may be with sexual sin, wherever it is. My desire is to do the right, obedient, loving thing in that area, but I'm, I'm weak, and I acknowledge my weakness, and I'm coming up short. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to fill me with your spirit, to empower me to be obedient in this particular area this week. Would you give me the grace, the courage, the strength that I need in the moment to do the right, obedient, loving thing? I pray in that moment of decision, in that, uh, that, that moment of choice, would you remind me to lean fully on you and not on myself, to draw on the resources of heaven, to recognize I'm connected to the vine. So all of Jesus's life is available to me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to remember that. Father, we're thankful for the gift of this advocate, this one who comes alongside. And I pray that this week, every one of us, kids, students, and adults, would know the work of the Spirit in us and through us on a deeper and fuller level. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 